I may not be able to give my kids everything they want, but I can give them what they need. Love, time, and attention. You can't buy those things. Nishan Panwar. Just a good old boy, trying to be a good old man, out here learning on the fly, trying to do the best I can. Hello, Faithful Fathers, and welcome to the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. I am Brett Etheridge, co-host of the podcast, joined as always by Perry Hughes. Perry, good morning. How are you today? Good, sir. I'm doing great, brother. Thanks for asking. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Sun is shining. It's like this little dose of spring in the middle of of winter. Although I guess at the time of this recording, it's shortly after Groundhog's Day, and I guess the groundhog didn't see a shadow, and so that means we are going to have. I, I don't know what it all means, but supposedly winter's not going to last all that much longer, and uh, we're going to have an early spring. So I'm here for that if that ends up being the case. But no, it's it's beautiful. It's a uh, it's a nice morning. A good start to the day. Yeah, I'd be fired up for an early spring. I'll, it always kind of crushes my heart a little bit because we have that fake spring here in Western North Carolina where we've got these couple of warm, sunny, 70-degree days, and 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 my spirits get up, and my, my heart gets overjoyed, and then, bum, 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 you know, like winter comes back and with a vengeance, and it's like, no! <laughs> Well, whatever the weather holds, we're uh, we're here for it, and today we are here to talk about the heart of a father, another episode where we're going to really take a deep dive look at the heart of a father. What should our heart be as fathers towards our kids? And the best way to know that, to learn that, to understand that is to recognize what our Heavenly Father's heart is toward us. So we're going to unpack that a little bit today, specifically looking at this idea that a father's heart should be for his kids and desire good things for his kids. And while that sounds great and should seem obvious, I don't think that's necessarily abundantly clear and obvious to a lot of people, perhaps based on our own experience with God, our own interpretation of God, maybe our own hearts sometimes towards our own kids. And so we're going to talk about all of this. But before we dive in, as we often like to do, let's share some quick wins from the week. Anything come to mind for you, Perry? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for sure. Something comes straight to mind. It is, and it re- it relates to our podcast last week and listening to the voice of God. One of my practices is to sit down with a journal and listen for God's voice and write things down. And this past week, I had a great time with the Lord where he really just reminded me that regardless of my performance, whether good or bad, regardless of my effort, regardless of my works, his love for me just is. What a great reminder that was for my heart and my mind and my soul. And I happened to to be out on a morning run, a little sunrise run with my sons a couple days ago. And as we were running, the Lord reminded me of that reality. And so I shared it with my boys as we're in the kind of like the last little bit, the last little quarter mile of the run, we're almost back home running down this hill and the sunlight is just beaming on us. It was this beautiful moment. And I said, Hey boys, I just want to share something with y'all. And so I shared that moment between me and the Lord together. And I said, and hey, by the way, God's love for you is just like that. And my love for you as your father is also just like that. It doesn't matter what your performance is. And then we kind of just like sprinted down this, the last little hill was this downhill 
back to the house. So it's kind of a cool moment. That is a cool moment. Man, that fires me up. I like that. Well, how about for you? Any wins this week? Yeah. So my wins have spread over the past couple of weeks. Uh, and it's been a while since it's just been the two of us on on an episode to to have these wins. So we have at the end of January, back to back to back birthdays in the family. Yeah, you do. So <laughs> I think my big win is having made it through birthday season with three of my kids. We had, we celebrated Jackson first. Um, and then two days later, we celebrated Revelyn who turned one. And then two days later, we celebrated Declan who turned five. And so I had three birthday parties to plan. Melanie did a lot of the planning for for Revelyn. She she sort of took control of that one, but I I did most of the planning for Declan's and Jackson's and lots of presents and lots of different cakes and ice creams and party stuff. And it's just like, oh my gosh. But the reason it's a win is just, yeah, just having been intentional with all three of them, having tried to create a fun, life-giving environment for each of them. So each of them felt special in their own different way, feeling like even though their birthdays are all are all sort of sandwiched together at the end of January, they were each treat, treated uh, uniquely and, and made to feel special. And so uh, we had a good time at all three of the parties. And uh, I'd say that was a fatherhood win for us. That's awesome. That's really cool. I'm sure there's there's got to be some temptation to just throw one party. Right. Like I, I would, you know, like, oh man, this is, so, we're just going to do one party and every, we're just going to celebrate everybody. Right. So, man, I think it's cool that, that you do three separate parties like that in that in and of itself is pretty awesome. And, and this might be the last year it was like that because <laughs> Jackson's getting older, right? Jackson's. Yeah. And in fact, I'm going to talk about that on this episode here in a moment. Jackson's entered those teenage years where, uh, is he going to even want to do something next year? I mean, sure. we'll, we'll see. And then, and then Revelyn turned one. She had to be separate and distinct, obviously, the first birthday met. So next year, maybe that temptation will creep in. But even then, with one being a boy, Declan, one being a girl, Revelyn, yeah. I sort of feel like you can't lump those two together either. So I don't know. I think we're I think we're in for three separate deals every single year for at least the foreseeable future. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, but let's transition back to this idea of a heart of a father. And, and we did, we did the first such episode a few months ago, we talked about the prodigal son. So if you guys haven't gone back to listen to that episode, we sort of opened this idea of what can we learn about what our heart should be as fathers based on what we know to be true about our heavenly father and his heart towards us. And today I just want to look at some different verses and some different ideas around a seemingly simple a simple idea that I believe to be true and yet maybe isn't quite as easy as it sounds on the surface, and that is that God desires good things for us. Our Heavenly Father wants good things for us, His children. He desires to bless us. He wants us to have a good life. He wants to shower us with abundance and blessings and favor, and that should be our heart towards our kids as well. But is that your experience with your Heavenly Father? And how does that play out in terms of your own heart position towards your kids? So I have a lot of thoughts, a few verses, like I said, I want to share. But Perry, I'll throw it to you first. Do you even agree with that premise? Have I stated that correctly? Do you believe that your Heavenly Father wants good for you? How has that shown up in your life? And what is your heart position towards your kids along these lines? Sure, absolutely. And it is, I am in 100% agreement with that. I do believe God is a completely omnipresent, completely loving entity that wants nothing but the best for us. And I think 
we can clearly see that by looking through the scriptures that God has sacrificed himself so that he can be in full and complete relationship with us. The work of Christ on the cross proves God's desire that he wants good for us. And that good is connection. Part of that good is connection with him. And I've experienced that in my own personal life and my own prayer life, the things that God affirms to me and tells me. And often that's a theme of what I hear from the Lord personally. And it certainly transfers into my heart for my own children as well. I pray for my kids often, you know, pray for things for them in the immediate future, pray for things for them in the distant future. I pray for, for instance, just one example, uh, a, you know, a wonderful and loving and supportive spouse. You know, I, I actively pray for my sons and my daughter, uh, for, you know, my son's a future wife for that's going to be, you know, loving, supportive, uh, point them to Christ, challenging, you know, fun, adventurous, all the things. And for my daughter, you know, uh, a loving husband full of leadership and strength and intentionality and a tender heart towards her and all these things. And so, yeah, that's absolutely a part of my heart for my own kids and part of my prayer life uh, for their futures. I'll start with this verse to piggyback on what you're just saying as sort of a launching point. And it's a very familiar verse. I think it's something that is often quoted, but it's such a powerful verse that rings true here from Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I mean, what a powerful declaration to internalize and believe that that is our Heavenly Father's heart position towards us. He desires good for us, not to harm us. He desires a hope and a future for us, to give us hope and a future. Uh, and so I love that. And I, I share that with you guys here as encouragement and as a reminder. I think, I think the challenge is when maybe things don't play out that way. And so we wonder if that's true. What if you're walking through a hard season? What if you are not currently prospering? What if you currently feel harmed? And yet Jeremiah 29, 11 says that God's desire is to prosper us and not to harm us. And yet I'm walking through a period of my life where I feel harmed, not prosperous. Like what's, what's going on there? Um, and I, I think I was praying about this and, and I think God clearly told me, he said, the outcome doesn't change the purity of the intentions of my heart. In other words, I still want those things for you, whether it, how, how to describe this. I have a I have a separate thought there. I'm actually going to talk about Exodus here in a moment when we talk about that. But but this idea that even if your life isn't hunky dory right now, that doesn't change the fact that that's still God's desire for you. That's still what He wants for you. I said I was going to talk a little bit more about the birthday, so I'm going to tell a quick story here as well. So so my teenager Jackson, um, he as I suggested, we just had a, a party for him, and he did not want one. <laughs> at all. 
<laughs> he, he he's entered that age. Maybe, maybe it's an age thing. I don't know where it's just like, I don't want to do anything. I don't like, do you want to get together with friends? No. Do you want to, let's do something. I mean, do you even want cake and ice cream? No, not really. I don't really even want presents. I just want money. It was just, it was this whole, this whole deal. He just didn't want to really celebrate his birthday at all. But I, I felt like it was important that we mark his birthday, that we do something fun. And I basically organized a party for him, sort of against his will. And that, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there. I'm not, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure what that says about, about me. But, but my heart, and, and here's where I'm tying it back to what I, what I think we're saying here with Jeremiah 29, 11. My heart's desire for him was happiness, joy. Yeah a good life, a life that uh, is pleasurable, a celebration of who he is and the fact that he's been on this earth for 14 years, an opportunity for him to go uh, stretch his boundaries, try new things. We, uh, What I ended up planning was uh, go-karts and, and going down and feeling the adrenaline rush and trying something new. He's never really done go-karts before and getting him outside his comfort zone a little bit uh, with his friends and yucking it up and 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 doing all those things right and so um you know i organized i organized it i literally planned for a couple of his best friends to to get together and and we went and and we did it and he was so mad at me in the beginning oh my gosh perry he <laughs> he was so i told you i didn't want to do anything blah blah yeah. blah 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 right yeah but my heart was for his future, for him to That's have right. a good life, for hope and and all of the things that Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about. And sometimes we as fathers know things that our kids don't know. We have a little bit more wisdom and perspective. We know what it's like to look back mm-hmm. on our childhood and what sticks out from things that were memorable and meaningful and and the joy of birthday parties and and all of those types of things, right? Just as I think sometimes even when we rebel in the moment, even when we doubt and question, is is this what God has me walking through right now really the best for me? How can he possibly say he wants a bright future for me and to prosper me when I'm walking through this right now? How can that be true? Well, it doesn't change the purity of the intention of the father's heart. I desperately wanted Jackson to have a good time. And I believed fervently that he would. And it was possible that I was going to swing and miss. It was possible that it was going to be a miserable experience. It was possible that I was going to do this even with the best of intentions. He was going to hate every second of it. He was going to hide in the corner and not participate and be mad at me and curse me and, and not show up well. That was definitely a possibility. But the exact opposite happened. He warmed up to the idea eventually. He showed up. He had a blast. He laughed. He, you know, talked about how how exhilarating the go-karts were. They had a great time. I basically sort of I I just let them do their thing. And I just believe 20 years from now he'll look back and remember that 14th. Maybe he won't. Maybe it'll get lost in the shuffle of all of his birthdays. But but I still think that it created something life-giving in his life experience. And I think it came from a good place. Now, that's a long-winded story to say that 
that our Heavenly Father, I believe, has that same desire for us in our lives, even if as we filter things that are happening in our lives, it might not seem like it. The purity of God's intentions are true. Yeah, 100%, because we as earthly beings, you know, humans, don't have the same perspective that God has. Just like Jackson didn't have the same perspective that you had regarding going around and go-karts celebrating the birthday, he could only see it from that close-up right now view, and you could see it from the bigger picture. That's right. And so I think often when we walk through something hard, we are not seeing the big picture. We're just seeing the pain of the right here and the right now. And so it seems like, oh, God, how can you let me be experiencing this right now? If you say you love me, if you say you have plans for good for me, but here I am. Well, Something that I would love to dive deeper into on this particular verse that I believe reinforces the fact that even if we're experiencing something hard now, God's plans are to prosper us. That's right. Because if we frame that, if we zoom out a little bit from that single verse to the verses that surround it and the context that surrounds it, uh, the people are in Babylon, in exile, because they didn't do what they were supposed to be doing previously. So they get exiled, right, as the natural consequence of their behavior. And uh, verse 10, if we look at verse 10, it says, not until the 70 years are completed. So verse 10 is when the 70 years are completed for Babylon. So God is 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 promising this hope for the future and the, the desire for prosperity, but it's in the midst of this horrible exile experience. And God, God loves his people enough to allow them to experience that hardship. And so that's a whole nother level of love is to, to not rescue immediately to allow that hardship because growth happens during that time, because faith happens during that time, because change happens, you know, during that time. And so when we look at the big picture of that verse, I think it supports the idea that even if you're walking through something hard now, God's heart and God's desire is for good and prosper. And this particular one is, hey, when that time is right, boom, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make good on my promise. I'm going to fulfill the second half of this story. Along those same lines, back in Exodus, same idea, right? In Exodus 3, 8, the Lord says, quote, So I have come down to rescue them, his chosen people, the Israelites, from the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, blah, 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 right? So God's heart desire is to deliver us into a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, that is his heart for us. And that's what we should want for our kids as well, right? We want them to have a good life, a prosperous life, an abundant life, a life flowing with milk and honey, right? The promised land. And yet they didn't end up there for 40 years, in part because of what you're talking about, their rebellion, continually erecting false idols, et cetera, et cetera, wandering around in the wilderness until they're eventually delivered. But it goes back to the point I was making earlier. Just because that's the way things played out 
doesn't change the purity of God's original intention and desire. The desire was still for them to have the land of milk and honey. And just because it didn't play out in the moment that way, well, that's that's not God's fault. That's <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So sure. So I think, yeah, I, I think it's really important to separate that. It's like, so bringing it back to us as fathers, I desire for my kids, well, I love what you said, a, a prayer for your kids and their future spouses. I fervently pray as well that that's exactly how it plays out. But what if, what if it doesn't? What if, you know, I desire my kids to have a good, healthy life, free from addiction, but they, of their own free will, decide to experiment with some point at with something at some point, and don't end up having that healthy life free from addiction. It doesn't change my heart. It doesn't change my desire for them and their their life, their prosperous, healthy life, their great future of hope. Right. And so again, it's separating it's separating the outcomes from the purity of the father's heart intentions. Does that make sense? Yeah, fully, hundred percent. They're two. They're two separate entities, and one just because the outcome looks in one way doesn't have any regard on the intention and the heart of the Father from the beginning. A couple of other quick verses for you guys that really speak to this idea of the Father's heart, God's intention for us, that He desires good for us. Uh, from Matthew seven verse eleven, it says, "Quote." If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven get good, give good gifts to those who ask him? So, yeah, I mean, obviously, we want to give good gifts to our kids. That, that's natural and normal. How much more does God desire to lavish good gifts on us? That's reassuring. That, that's really encouraging to me. And then one more quick one. From John, John 10.10, and again, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, John 10.10 says, quote, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they, the sheep, meaning us, so I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Man, that that's really comforting to my heart as well, this idea that Jesus's whole point of coming to earth is that I may have the abundant life that I may live free, that I may, I may have the fullness of life, to live life to its fullest. Man, what a really cool heart position of God towards us that we certainly need to emulate and take towards our kids as well. Yeah, that's beautiful verses. Christ has come that we may have life and life to the fullest, the richest, the most full version of life. Not this McDonald's cheeseburger version of life, you know, but like Ruth's Chris Steakhouse version of life, right? Like that gets me stoked to think about that. And it's a good reminder that walking with Christ, relationship with Christ is that fullness. Does that mean it's all going to be hunky-dory, great and happy, you know, rainbows and unicorns, butterflies and sunny days all the time? Nope. That's not it. <laughs> it's going to be hardship and challenges and turmoils. But as we walk with Christ, if we have Christ, we can walk in that full richness of complete 
you know, complete life, life to the fullest. So God's heart towards us is clear. Our interpretation of that sometimes may may not be accurate, depending on what we're walking through in our own lives. But hopefully, we all understand that God desires good for us. The question becomes, and this is what I want to transition to in the rest of this, and this is just me sometimes, I'm just going to be transparent, sometimes laying bare the idea that what if our hearts as earthly fathers don't line up with that? What if we fall short of that? Are there times when our own hearts maybe don't have that pure desire for good for our kids that that it should have? And and I'm not suggesting that I ever want my kids to go through really, really hard times or that I want them to have a miserable life. I hope they have a life of addiction. I hope they marry the wrong person. No, of, co- of course not. I want my kids to have a great life. But I'll give you a perfect example. <laughs> and... and uh, and we'll see where this goes. Again, this is just me being 100% transparent. And that is this. I desperately wanted to cancel Christmas for my kids this year. <laughs> we're done. It's canceled. We're done. Uh, we're, you yeah. deserve nothing. Nothing. No gifts for you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we're actually going to have Christmas and you are literally just getting cold. <laughs> No presents. I want you to suffer. I want you to realize how ungrateful you are, how unappreciative you are. Why do you deserve anything good? You've been antagonizing your brothers nonstop for the past three weeks. You begrudgingly bought your siblings gifts when I gave you money to buy it because your heart is so selfish. I could go on and on and on. Right. I was just in this moment. There were a couple a couple days leading into Christmas that was like yeah. we're done, we're just going to cancel it. You guys yeah. you deserve nothing. My yeah. heart was not to shower abundant blessing on my kids. Right. Revelin, I'll celebrate Revelin. Okay. Revelin Re- Re- yeah. was 1 years old. She's still pure and innocent. The other ones? No. Christmas is done. We're just going to wake up, have cereal for breakfast. You guys can hang out in your room with all day. With water. Long. With water, no presents. Yeah, we're going to put no milk in your cereal. That was my heart. <laughs> For a couple of days. <laughs> so what's wrong with me? Like what? You're human, brother. Nothing's wrong with you. That's, okay, but that's what human, I want to hear, right? Yeah, so man, what? You're human. <laughs> so what do we do you're with that? The end of your rope, man. Yeah, you're human, brother. That's what do it. we do when we don't want a land flowing with milk and honey for our kids? What do we, like? And again. To be clear, and, and and I have some answers to this, obviously. I've thought about it a lot. I've prayed about it a lot. But I think we need to acknowledge that sometimes we fall short of this sure. pure heart intention yeah, that course. our Father has towards us. So what, so what do we do about that? How do we unpack that? Mm-hmm. I think we just go get before the Father. I think we spend some time in prayer before the Father. I think we read some scriptures that re- remind us of His heart for good for us. I think we read and and meditate on some things that we fall short on as human beings and I, in our in our daily lives and our daily walks and we we meditate on God's grace and mercy and love for me. I meditate on God's grace and mercy and love for me. Perry Hughes. I meditate on that. I think for me that helps a lot anytime I'm feeling frustrated with someone else's shortcomings. I take myself back to 
the grace that God gives me as, as a broken, incomplete human. And, and that helps me come around a lot, but yeah, man, prayer, meditation, going to the word laughter, laugh about it, you know, make some jokes about it. I think that helps a lot too, you know, joke around with your wife, we're canceling Christmas, you know, like <laughs> laugh it up. That helps, you know? Oh my gosh. We said that to each other for sure. Yeah. <laughs> On numerous occasions, we're like, we're done. We're just, I'm returning. I think she even said it to them once. She's like, that's it. Go to your rooms. We are returning all of your presents. <laughs> and then later, this is a separate episode, but we've talked about this before. She she went back to them and said, okay, I, that was a that was a stupid thing to say. We're not returning your presents. I'm sorry. I apologize. So you apologize to your kids, and but but you guys were driving us crazy. We have to work on that, whatever. So um, no, I, I think what you said is exactly right. I think for us, bringing it back full circle, how how did I handle it? What you know, I just had this realization. Well, well, first of all, I would say that even though my heart in certain of those moments maybe weren't weren't the way that that I should uh, that it should have been. Even at a deeper level, though, sure. was still yeah. this desire for my kids to have a good Christmas. Yeah. So obviously, we didn't cancel Christmas. I still wanted them to look back 20 years later on a fun Christmas morning experience. You know, I, I wanted that more than I wanted to cancel Christmas, obviously. So we obviously had it and tried to make the most of it. And it was a joyous celebration on Christmas morning. And it was it was great. And, and all of that. Um, but the other thing was just this realization that what's likely to get through to our kids more, mm. literally canceling Christmas, like, let's say I, hypothetically, let, let's say we followed through on it, right? And literally had no Christmas, returned all the gifts, gave them coal, and explained to them what terrible human beings they were and selfish and ungrateful mm. and you deserve nothing. How likely is that to change them? Are they going to, are they going to, not very. Are they going to say, oh, huh. Okay. And like magically change and magically have grateful, appreciative hearts. And, oh, dad, thank you for, thank you for teaching us this lesson. I mean, yeah, we had no Christmas, but now I'm a better person. Like, no, of course not. Or is still blessing them and still showing up and having a great Christmas and talking about Christ's sacrifice and, and his birth and celebrating all the things and, and everything you talked about, right? I sin and yet God gives me good gifts. I fall short all the time and yet God forgives me and gives me grace, right? And so how am I not going to turn around and do to my own kids what my own heavenly father does to me? So obviously, um, you know, you catch more flies with honey than vinegar or whatever the, the uh, saying is. And it's the same thing here, right? And so it's just this realization that playing hardball is never going to get through to your kids the way love will. And, and, That's right. And, and it, takes, it might take some time. Like even if there's a hard edge, even if there's an ungrateful spirit in one of our kids, even if whatever, God can work on that. But, but being a, a jerk isn't going isn't gonna to magically fix that. So anyway. Yeah, well said. That's great. Well, I'd love to d dive into one topic that I think is uh, another layer of this discussion, and that is in the midst of wanting good for our kids. And as much as you, we were just joking about canceling Christmas, and this was, you know, they need this big punishment or you know, right, whatever. I think there is an element of the heart of a father that. And this might seem counterintuitive at first, but bear with me as we maybe try to 
dive into a little deeper to it. But there is an element of the heart of a father for me that wants my kids to experience some hardship. I want them to experience some trials and tribulations and challenges and and doubts and suffering. Like I, I want that for my kids. I don't want it. I don't want a perfectly smooth path of life for them. I don't want that. I want some bumps in the road. I want some troubled times. I want some storms to come. And while that might seem a little bit harsh at first, I think if we look at it at a deeper level, it's going to make sense. But do you have any reaction to that initially? Any thoughts on that? My initial thought is, I'm glad you brought that up. I know you've talked about that a lot on the podcast, this almost desire for our kids to fail because it's how you learn and grow. And certainly from a business standpoint, like if you're an entrepreneur, you know, you hear all the time that the greatest successes come from battling through adversity and battling through failure. And you never actually fail. You either, you, you learn or you, you, whatever. So, so I get all that. But my initial reaction is, but does God actually feel that way towards us? Hmm. So from a human earthly standpoint, I get it. A hundred percent. I understand the growth that can come from battling through adversity. Yeah. But is there anywhere in scripture where God actually says that that's his intention for us? Because that that opens up a whole can of worms. Like, am I walking through child because God is God did this to me? I'm not sure that's true. Now, Romans 8.20, in fact, I would say it's the opposite. We have free will. There's a very real enemy who sometimes yeah. injects pain and suffering into our lives. But like this whole idea, well, I God gave me cancer so right. that I can battle through cancer, come out stronger on the other end, and you know, be a beacon of light and hope for other women or men going through the same thing. Well, Romans 8.28 clearly says that, and, and it says, quote, and, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In other words, even when bad things happen to us or as a result of our own free will, God can take that and work it for good. That's a reassuring verse. But that's different from saying God intentionally did that to us so that we can have the growth experience, learning experience. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just wondering where in scripture it says that that's actually his heart for us is to suffer. Sure. And I'm not saying that I, my heart is to cause suffering on my children. Yeah. There's I think there's a fine maybe it's a fine line maybe we're splitting hairs. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not saying I'm going to watch my kids run down the street and stick my leg out and trip them. Yeah. Because getting hurt is going to build toughness in them. I'm not talking about that. That's different. You know, I'm just saying I know that we live in a broken world. I know that the good I know that good things happen from walking through hard times. And so I don't want my kids to just have a hunky-dory, completely easy life. I want them to experience a little bit of sorrow so that 
they can lean into God at a deeper level. I, I think what that you makes ju- sense. I think what you just said at the end is more where I am with this right now, which is I don't think I need to hope, hope isn't the right word, and I don't think that's what you're saying either. And I know you wouldn't intentionally uh, want to cause harm for your kids, but I don't even feel like I need to go so far as to hope that they experience some hard things. Yeah. Because I know that they will anyway. We I mean Jesus is very clear about that. Sure. We we will walk through hardship. Right. Period. So I don't need to hope that. I don't need to wish that. that. Makes sense. My heart desire doesn't need so where my heart position is is you will walk through hard things. Mm-hmm. My father's heart for you is that you have a relationship with Christ strong enough that you lean on him through those hard times so that when you experience trouble, you come through the other side stronger. You yeah. don't cower, give up, and live a harder life than you otherwise need to because you weren't equipped to deal with the hardship. That's my heart's desire for my kids. Yeah, that that's a much more articulate way of saying what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, we know that the hardship's going to come, and the hope is in their heart's position to respond to it in an appropriate manner. Because when hardship comes, we kind of have two paths: bitterness, resentment, frustration, yeah, or anticipation, hope relational, you know, leaning into the relationship with, with God, curiosity, growth, learning, etc. Yep. Very well said. So that, that's an important nuance to a father's heart position towards our kids with respect to wanting good for them. Uh, Jackson, one more quick anecdote before we sort of maybe talk about wrapping up this episode. He, he sort of wears it as a badge of honor. He's made it to age 14 has, and has never really had a serious injury. Um, he hasn't broken anything, you know, and maybe he hasn't taken enough risk. You know, his, his, his younger brother had a nasty bike accident at one point. Declan's getting hurt all the time. And Jackson's like, no, I'm good. Like I've never, so, you know, part of me is like, like, I certainly don't want to wish that you break your collarbone skiing next time we go skiing, you know, but on the other hand, is he, is he made of what he needs to be made of so that when he does actually, um, experience something in life, he's going to be ready for it. So anyway, we, we've already talked about that. And my prayer for him is that he he is able to walk through that. Uh, any any final thoughts as we sort of wrap this up and specifically what to do if if we do acknowledge that maybe our heart position towards our kids isn't fully in line with what we believe it should be based on what we know God's heart is towards us. We've talked about a lot of them praying about it. Certainly we can pray, pray that God changes and softens our own heart towards our kids. Uh, And and then I would just add one final thing, which is um, to really strive to see our kids the way that God sees them. Because the more that we can see our kids the way God sees them, the more we will naturally want good things for them and naturally want to bless them. And even when they're acting up to want them to have the best Christmas morning possible, uh, because God sees past and through our faults, our flaws and desires a good prosperous life for us as well. And, and that, that to me is my prayer as well for my kids is to see them more the way God does, because I know I'll show up better in their lives in every way in the way I parent them and father them if I'm able to do that.
Yeah, that's a fantastic word. I love that. And I'm encouraged and reminded to pray for God to give me his heart for them more often. And that's awesome. One thing I want to add, just a just a tactical, tangible uh, tip, I think, that as I think about it, I realize I do this quite often with my own kids. Think of how encouraging it is for us to read those verses in Scripture that God has a desire for good and prosper for us. That fills my heart. It builds my heart. It gives me joy. It gives me hope. It gives me reassurance and comfort. And so frequently, I just plainly tell my kids, hey, I'm doing this right now because of my heart's desire towards good for you. Sometimes I say that if I'm giving them an instruction that they might not love or like, you know, I'm getting a little resistance. I'm getting a little kickback. Hey, why, you know, and I've said it to them enough now that sometimes now I can just ask them a question. Hey, what's my heart right now? And, and as I'm giving you this instruction as a father, where's that coming from? Is it because I'm, is it because I'm mad? Is it because I want to trip you up? Is it because I don't like what you're doing? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, what's it from? Oh, you want, you want, you want good for me. Yes. And so I tell my kids in multiple ways, in multiple methods, in multiple settings, hey, my heart's desire is for good for you. My heart's desire is for what's best for you. Hey, I want to see you thriving and prospering and doing awesome. I love that. That's that's exactly what I told Jackson when he was so mad at me for planning his birthday party. I was like, yeah. why do you think I'm doing this? Oh, I don't know. It's because I love you, son. It's because I believe this is going to be good for you. And his, his immediate reaction was, no, if you really love me, you would just let me do nothing on my birthday. And I just tried to say, I said, I know you might not see it now, but this is coming from a genuine place of wanting the best for you. I love you. And I hope and believe that someday you'll see that. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I, think, I think that's incredibly practical and tangible. We need to say that more. We need to remind them that we are coming from a good place, provided we are. You know, we, right. we need to make sure it really is genuinely coming. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes I've wanted to make him do things. And I've checked my own spirit and I've realized, no, this is actually coming from a place of a power trip yeah. or spite or yeah. this actually isn't a loving place. I'm just trying to, as his father, make him do something he doesn't want to do. And I can tell myself it's because I want the best for him, but eh, deep down, it's really not. Yeah. Um, and so when that happens, I just, I check myself. Um, but th this, the birthday was a genuine place of believing it was best for him. And it proved to be that. I mean, I think, I think it was the Holy Spirit saying, you know, he needs this. And I think it was really life-giving for him. He had a great time and, and I think it worked out well. So anyway, all of that to say, good encouragement, tell your kids that you, to give you the benefit of the doubt, that you have their best interest at heart and that you do things and make decisions sometimes from a place of love because you want the most for them. As we sort of wrap this up, I'll, uh, I'll share one sort of final thought as well. Do you know who Steve Harvey is? Because I think a lot of listeners will know Steve Harvey. Yeah. He, uh, he's funny comedian. He hosts, uh, was he, he's family feud right now, right? He does family feud. And anyway, um, I was watching a, a reel <laughs> of a clip of an interview that he was doing on, I, I don't even know who he was interviewing, but, but he basically said, look, we're not rich. 
this is something he was telling to his kids, right? His kids were, I don't know, asking him about, because he obviously does really, really well. And he says, look, we're not rich as a family. We're not rich. Your mom and I are rich. <laughs> you know, you, you guys, you guys have nothing. You're going to have to work for everything you earn, right? And and he was funny about it. But then he made the point. He said, look, I, I don't want my kids to grow up entitled. I don't want them to grow up. Uh, feeling like what I have worked really hard for, they get to participate in without doing anything themselves. And and I sat there and listened to that, and I was smiling and nodding. I was like, "Yeah, that's right. You know, don't don't gift your kids ten million dollars each on their 18th birthday because there will be spoiled little entitled brats that don't contribute to society." You know, and I got all up on my my mighty high horse and my self righteousness, and I was like, "Yeah, you know." I, I think Warren Buffett, by the way, uh, has operated similarly with his kids. I think he gave them all, um, you know, a little bit of something when they turned eighteen, but they have to work for what they have. And and, and anyway, so I was like, "Yeah, I, I like that mindset." But then I thought about it some more and I, it sat with me. It sat, it was like, why was that my reaction? Because like, what should my heart's desire for my kids be? Is that a healthy way for a father to feel about money in this case, about blessings, about the inheritance for his kids? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you are full heirs in my kingdom. Mm. I withhold nothing from you. Yeah. You don't have to work to earn in my yeah. kingdom. And I'm I'm not saying if you've got a net worth of $100 million that you should give it all to your kids. I'm not saying that. You, you figure out what you want to do on an earthly standpoint in terms of financial blessings for your kids and inheritance and working for it. But I'm saying on a spiritual level, the heart of a father, to recognize that we are full heirs of the abundance of our Heavenly Father's kingdom. And what would it look like if we walk through life with that knowledge? What would your posture be? My chest would stick out a little bit farther, right? Yeah. I have the inheritance of my Father. I am rich and blessed beyond measure. My Father desires to prosper me. Man, that's a totally different way of walking through life than I've got to earn it. I'm not good enough. I'm not stacking up. I'm disappointing God. Oh, I just sinned again. No, man, that's not it. That's not it at all. So Steve Harvey, I love you. You made me laugh, but I'm not quite sure that you got that quite right, at least not in terms of what our heart position should be for our kids. Son, daughter. You have everything that is mine. Now, it, it might not serve you well in your life if I just give you a million dollars. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know. Pray about that. But I'm just talking about what's mine is yours, what's my heavenly father's is mine. And what if we walk through life with that posture? Because that is reality. And I think if we change our thinking and our heart about that, it will change how we respond in life to our heavenly father and how we in turn father our kids. It's powerful, very powerful. And I think that's a great position to wrap up on, to, to meditate on that this week, meditate on that today as you go through your walk. And uh, yeah, 
That's it. That's it. All right. Well, good. I, I've enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully, it's blessed you guys as well. We'll do more of these. What should the heart, what should our hearts be as fathers? What can we learn about that? Pray about it. Think about it. If you have thoughts, share it with us on social media. Reach out. I'd love to hear for you from you guys on that. But with that, be blessed. Walk out. Father your kids the best you can, and we will talk with you again soon on the next episode of the Faithful Fatherhood Podcast. Take care, everyone. Oh,